0: nine years ago I could have told you like yeah that would work so well but now people really up they up on game and honestly the aesthetics don't really matter of course you want to keep it neat and cute but it doesn't matter when it comes to bottom line and numbers because I've created like a landing page that is a blurry picture of me which is still up and people are still signing up for it so it really don't matter um about aesthetics
1: Hello, and thank you for joining us on Posh Talks Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Women Living Intentional, a group
0: created for those who are looking and ready to live in purpose. Now over to your host, Tayani Tellis.
1: being over everything. Bianca stated in a recent article, she has been an entrepreneur for almost nine years. And as she's entered a reflective state of mind... She finds herself watching new businesses springing up every month, especially by women of color across her local community of Atlanta, Georgia, and beyond. Hello, Bianca, and thank you so much for being a part of today's episode. How are you? I'm good.
0: Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. (laughs) Tell
1: us a little bit about your journey into entrepreneurship and how you got started.
0: Sure. Sure. So my journey into entrepreneurship, get, well, it started, like you said, nine years ago. I was working in corporate, and I was just very dissatisfied with the amount of money that I was uh, that I was making. Like it was during the recession. So I was, I was blessed to have a job, but I was just not satisfied with the amount of hours that I was putting into my business. So I decided there had to be another way for me to make more money. So I, I really think it's so exciting to see that women want to – fall into entrepreneurship. I really didn't think of the word entrepreneur when I started. I just knew that I needed a side hustle or a side gig just to make more money. But now that I think about it, you know, hindsight, it was kind of me wanting to be an entrepreneur, but I never put a title on it because it fell into my lap in, a, in the most untraditional nature where literally I, I just wanted to make more money. So I started in an industry that I had no experience in. And I had oh, no wow. clue what I was doing. Yeah, <laughs> I had no experience. I, it's like when you fall into entrepreneurship, you're like, "Oh, I'm really good at this." People right. always ask me this. I'm going to start a business. No, I had no clue what I was doing. I had no idea, and I got my start in beauty. Um, to be very specific, hair. I didn't wear extensions. I didn't have friends that wore extensions. I didn't know where to get hair from. I didn't know anything about that. So I had a very non-traditional route into entrepreneurship, but it all came from my desire to just make a little bit more money so I could save up because I wanted to buy a house.
1: That is amazing, and I love how you, (laughs) you know, because a lot of times we talk about purpose and passion and, you know, this and that, and it's almost like, you know, for someone to say, like, hey, I'm being very transparent with you guys. I had no experience. You know, it wasn't something I thought that I would be doing however, It's something that you've grown to love. So with that being said, was it something that you saw was a need or that you could capitalize off to make more money to ultimately save and buy a house, or was it something where it was an opportunity presented?
0: Well, I didn't even know there was a need because nobody was doing it. So nine years ago, all of these hair companies that you see now, they didn't exist. So the only ones that exist that were really big, was extension plus plus in like one in new york and another one in miami and they were all run by older individuals so there wasn't any 20 somethings that i could recall that was really making their marks in the hair extension industry so i literally i went to a hair shop in atlanta it's not around anymore but i saw like three or four women walking in there spending about three hundred dollars each so they're making nine hundred dollars i mean the owner's making nine hundred dollars and I sat there and I was like, okay, so he's going to make, he made 900 off of these people. He's going to make another 300 off of me. So I was thinking like, wow, he's going to make $1,200 in 30 minutes. And I, like a light bulb went off in my head and I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to start selling hair. And I had called my good friend and told her what I wanted to do. And she was like, okay, but we don't wear hair extensions. And I was like, you're right. We're going to have to start. So um, I, just, yes. <laughs> I really just saw the fact that there was money to be made, and especially during that time, it was a lot of money to be made because there were not any options to consider, not many, if you didn't really know about it. Everyone was still wearing um, more s- synthetic strands, and virgin hair just was not it yet.
1: <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. So I know that you're a serial entrepreneur, and I've had the chance mm-hmm. to follow um several of your business pages, mainly, well, specifically, what was the inspiration behind More Than Social?
0: So the inspiration behind More Than Social, which is my strategy business, I help people sell online. So I teach you strategies to make money. I teach you how to sell. I teach you beyond what you can probably find on Google because I take all of my experience and I just tell people what it was and how to do it. So all of that came because I hid behind social media for so many years. Like, I didn't have a personal Instagram when I started, started my businesses. I literally just got it maybe two years ago, and I've been in business for nine years. So oh, wow. people have always told me, hey, you know, Instagram. I never wanted to. I was very scared of Instagram and social media. I didn't want the negative opinion. I think during that time back then, I just wasn't strong enough to deal with anyone's negative opinion of me because I might believe it as true. So I just stayed wow. away from it. and. Um, after some time, I realized, like, hey, you can be a better business person if you have a presence online, Bianca. And I helped so many people. Like, I've built at least one, two. Off the top of my head, I can I can name two six-figure businesses that I've built that I don't even put my name on. And I, I built it because they came to me. I told them what they needed to do, and it worked. And then I built some five-figure brands for people and I work a lot of behind-the-scenes, and people are like, dang, other individuals need to know, like, what you know and your impact. So I started More Than Social, and it's, it's still young. It's only a few months old, but I'm really excited about it and thrilled to really dive into all of the things that has helped me build what you see now amongst any of my businesses
1: right. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So, now, I know you mentioned as a profit strategist, you help entrepreneurs create and identify their opportunities for profit. What has mm-hmm. been the biggest struggle you've seen for most entrepreneurs who are trying to convert potential clients potential clients into paying customers? Um, I think the biggest thing
0: for them is they're not thinking the bottom line. Like, I'll, I'll speak in regards to people that They have services for other businesses. So I'll do B2B first. So let's talk B2B. So with that, um, a lot of people are not really digging into the bottom line that businesses only care about revenue generating activity. They don't care about anything that's emotional. Even though that's nice, that's just not the answer. It's just like how can your business increase either their profit, cut expenses, cut complaints, like that's what matters and that's what gets you sold more so than the trivial items or material items that your business can do. Like the design and aesthetics and prettiness doesn't really matter. Um, what really matters is how are you helping me keep more money in my pockets and how are you cutting – Cutting my day, so how can I get more done in the least amount of time? So I, I like to think of pricing in three different avenues. So there's a DIY, which we're all familiar with. We know DIY. We do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, of course, of course, that's that low-cost um, area of your business. Then we have the done with you, meaning me, you and I would work together. I will help you a little bit, but you will still steer the ship and steer the boat. And then the done for you, which is that concierge, high tier high ticket experience that you give people where you're charging more. And a lot of people don't think in that nature. They um they don't think about bottom line. So I feel like that's one of the main struggles is thinking about the ex the explicit really um things that they want, they desire. And when it comes to consumers, I feel as though a lot of businesses fail to understand their consumer. They say, "Oh, I understand my target audience," but I think doing case studies is so impactful if you are serving consumers. And to do a case study, all you would need to do is to offer your either discounted service or a product for half the cost or do it for free in exchange for direct feedback. So how are you able to X percent whatever, whatever your business helps somebody with, X percent in how many days? Like data collection is so important when it comes to knowing your numbers and knowing how you directly impact consumers. And a lot of people don't have data. They just say, oh, I'm, I'm good at this, and I saw a reaction, so I'm going to start selling it. But what numbers and what are your KPIs, like key performance indicators, that show continuously that you are that person? So right. that was kind of a long answer, but I noticed no. that people don't care about, they don't know the bottom line for other businesses to get to sell to them. And then with with consumers, they don't have enough data and consumer, like, case studies to use as their sales in marketing, like, campaign and funnels. So that's what I
1: noticed. Yeah, and, Mm -hmm. I mean, I love it. Like, I love how detailed you are with your answer because it is very important for entrepreneurs mm-hmm. to know this data and to have that data available because when you start to climb the ladder and, you know, um, over time you grow as a brand and you find that you want to start working with the bigger companies, you have to know mm-hmm. what type of information they're going to add. So that type of information they want to know, um, you know, the bigger the client, the more they want to know, okay, based on what you've done previously, how, have, how has that worked for others or, you know, and mm-hmm. this is, you know, as a startup business owner, they're kind of, I'm not going to say kind of, but, you know, they're more willing to take a chance on you and say, okay, well, you don't have any reviews, but I like your content. You know, I like right. um, how you connect, but the the higher you go, you know, they are more analytical and data-driven more so than how they feel. So I love, love, love that you touched on that because um, as entrepreneurs, and, you know, people have different goals. Some people want to stay the mom and pop shops and some want to grow, to you know, Fortune 500 companies or whoever service Fortune 500 companies. However, um, I love that you pointed out that you know they need KPI. So thank you so much for that. Um, and that kind of segues me into my other quest, my second question. Um, what is one thing you see a lot of startup companies do wrong when they first launch their business?
0: Um, one of the first things that they do wrong when they launch? Well,
1: I wouldn't say wrong, but let me rephrase that, Um, because typically um, a lot of people, they struggle with actually, you know, they go and they get the websites and the logos made and, you know, get the branding and it's pretty. However, now they're stuck because they don't know what to do next. So I wouldn't say necessarily it was wrong, but maybe the steps are out of order. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I feel as though people, what they do wrong is they don't decide how they're going to sell. So it's just like, okay, I have my offer. Now how am I going to build up momentum for people to know my offer? So like the awareness stage, how am I going to build awareness? Where am I going to go? What touch points do I need to do in order to get people interested in my business? Some people feel as though if I make this really dope website, if I have these really amazing graphics, that people will come. But the consumer is smart now. People are wise. Like nine yeah. years ago, I could have told you, like, yeah, that would work so well. <laughs> but now yeah. people really up on they up on game. And honestly, the aesthetics don't really matter. Of course, you want to keep it neat and cute, but it doesn't matter when it comes to bottom line and numbers. Because I've created like a landing page that is a blurry picture of me, which is still up, and people are still signing up for it. So it really don't matter um, about aesthetics, but it does matter, like, how am I going to attract people once my site is done, once my graphics are done, once I have my email, my name at whatever.com, how am I going to build my population of interested buyers, also known as warm prospects? So what's my um, method to that? How am I going to get people signed up? Right. Because that's what people do wrong. They're like, oh, nobody's buying or nobody's signing up. You're not thinking about how to get that happen. What activity do you need to do, a workshop, a retreat, a webinar? You need to go partner with your local um, co-working space. Like Think outside the box to build up your own internal community in your city. I love
1: it yeah, I love that. So how were you able to differentiate your value, and what tools and strategies could you give someone give a person to differentiate theirs? And so we're pretty much what makes me different. I
0: think one thing that really helped me is that I focused on one thing, and I became okay. really good at it. So um, within the hair industry, I didn't know what I was doing, and that's very clear. But mm-hmm. I actually had my own like tips and strategies along the way that taught me a lot about hair. So I was disciplined enough to be still and take my losses. And that means I might not have an I might have an order that but I can't fulfill it. So letting that customer go and being honest about it. Um, but I was able to be still and learn all that I need to do. I was able to decide, hey, I'm going to go to my manufacturer and actually go and see this hair and, and, and have a direct relationship so I can negotiate later. So I think one of the things that really helped me is everything that I've done, it's, it's been, been done in pieces. Like I'm just now doing, it for lack of a better word, I'll say coaching because people can understand what that word means. Uh, I'm just now doing coaching about nine years later. Like, I wasn't deciding that I'm going to start selling hair. Oh, I I see it's popping. I'm making some money, so let me coach other people on how to start a hair company. Like, no, I I didn't do that. I decided to wait my turn when I felt led, and I really believe God gives me all of my visions, but when I felt led to move on to the next step. So I was disciplined enough to stay still, and I really um, want other people to get into that habit too. Like, it's not going to be instant. Gratification does not happen in entrepreneurship, especially now. It's too many people popping up, too many people deciding, hey, they had one thing, it went well, so now they're going to make a business out of it instead of really professionally developing themselves in that industry and what they're offering and all of that so that they can have longevity. A lot of people don't have longevity because they don't work for it.
1: Right, right. I totally agree. So I want to talk about um, something that you had mentioned on your website and your Instagram, the story okay. selling, um, it was the story selling framework that you had. Why do you mm-hmm. feel like this was a strong strategy for business owners? It's
0: all I ever did. <laughs> I think stories, <laughs> it's all I
1: ever did. Like outside of
0: hair, I didn't have like a story on that. People just want to see the hair. They don't care about that story. Right. But everything right. else, it, it, really gra- it really pulls people in. It makes you relatable. So a lot of people struggle on captions, and I can just tell you that I don't um i can write a caption in 2 minutes and i've i've done it tested it it worked i've shown people and one of the main things that has helped me is my framework on how to write a caption that fails on instagram at this point it's going to it's one of the things you need to be doing because you can't really go off of the likes anymore because it's not necessarily becoming hidden it's hidden from like other people can't see you and 416 people like this it's just changing the dynamics so now In order to become more relatable, for people to comment, and I think that's going to be serving as more engagement than just the heart, but it's all about selling your story and determining how am I going to hook people in? Am I going to hook people in with a um, visual, like a, a video or a photo, and then what key points am I going to mention in this caption, and then at the end, what do I want people to do next? And a lot of people don't tell anyone to do anything. You don't, I know, click the link in my bio, but why? Why do I need to click there? And I like to think of my mindset on why does this matter to you? Like, why should you care? And it's kind of like you checking yourself. Like, people should care about what I'm talking about because what? And when? I, and that what part is where people kind of get confused because they go into the very minute, um, not minute, excuse me, the, the very, like, blah details instead of the specific details like I had mentioned previously about business, business, bottom line, or uh, consumer transformation, case studies, data, to support what you're selling. So that's, that's a long answer, but that's
1: what it is. No, and I think it's important, too. Um, I love everything you said because storytelling is one of those things that are capturing and engaging. And kind of to go back works a little bit, when we were speaking about target audience, if you know exactly who you're who you're talking to or speaking to, generally you know their pain points. So you know what they're suffering with. You know how to communicate with them. And y'all probably have similar stories. So I always like to tell people that I work with, you're probably talking to an older version of yourself. You've grown, you've learned, now you're reaching back and help someone who is similar or, you know, had a similar situation to yours. Y'all necessarily may not have gone through the same experiences. However, um, whatever, like you said, that story is, it's a connecting, um, it's like that bridge to connect you all, and you're capturing this, them and ultimately leading them to finding their solution, which is that call to action, which you was explaining um, At the end, like, what do you want them to do? Do you want them to sign up for a program? Do you want them to schedule a free call? Like, so I love, love, love that you um touched on that point in general. And your answers are not too long (laughs) because I know me, I can get (laughs) to talking too, so it's fine. Now I know, like you mentioned, um, you have made a hundred k in thirty days with no email list, no personal investors, or big networks. Um, Mm -hmm. what was the driving factor for that? Um, opportunities.
0: Was it with your word hair of, business? Yeah, So that was with um, hair business. It's about establishing quality, but more specifically like word of mouth, like that is still the strongest way to get people in and why word of mouth is so strong. is because you don't have to prove anything. Like if you're talking right. to, let's just say a family member and you say, Oh, these shirts are in- insanely comfortable and they have longevity or whatever. Say you're talking to a person that loves shirts. And they're like, oh, really? So they're like, what's the website I want to buy now? And they buy. They don't ask about, well, let me see. Does it it run small? They take your word for it. So what I really did was I I didn't focus on building myself up. I wanted my businesses to be known and not me. And I'm totally okay with my businesses having more followers than I do. That's actually preferred. So what I've done is I just always – was very consistent in the level of service that I gave, consistent in the product that I shared, and never changed. It only got better. Um, I will say there was a moment where my manufacturer, this is many years ago, had really had some hiccups with their product and production, and had given us some poor product. But all of that was rectified, and I'm saying that because it happens. Like I don't want people to feel as though it's been perfect since day one. Like no, I've been through some things as far as like poor product. Uh, manufacturing, telling you one thing would end up being another. So it happens in business. But I was able to bounce back, meaning fix the problem. But I would say like word of mouth and consistency. When someone writes you, you write back. When someone calls, you pick up. And when someone wants next day, you ship it next day and they get it. Like that's a really, it's so simple, but it's hard at the same time when There's so many other things we could be doing. Like, for example, like I told you, I'm I'm not feeling well, like I'm catching the cold. But I'm gonna show up. Like you gotta get out of your funk and pull up on whatever you need to do and handle your business. And I think that's really been my method to success is that even when I'm not at my best, whether business is not at its best, I'm not at my best, I'm tired. I still show up and and I provide a quality experience that people want to talk about. And that's the same thing with Ladies Who Brunch. It's an experience that people want to talk about and that people want to post. and In essence, we're able to get 400 people on board in less than 14 days.
1: And show up. That's amazing.
0: And show up. That
1: is amazing. So um, Ladies Who Brunch, do you have any upcoming events? that um, our ladies can take advantage of who are interested um, in, you know, networking more and meeting like right. a individuals?
0: Well, first thing, follow Ladies Who Brunch ATL. So it's all spelled out, Ladies Who Brunch ATL on Instagram, and that will keep you in the loop. But we just had our last event of the year last night we had it oh wow cynthia bailey yes cynthia bailey of the real housewives of atlanta she has a new event space it's not even a year old i think it's only a few months so she has an event space in atlanta and we had our networking mixer there we didn't put the location out because we we never do we want to make sure that people come and that have paid so we didn't put the location out but it was at cynthia bailey's event space here in atlanta And it was amazing, so good. But we will be playing some things for 2020. We are going to be doing a tour. We're thinking about a three city tour. We're doing a workshop for Black Friday, which we will release in a few, like a week or so. But we hope to see people there. It's going to be in January. And then we'll just keep the ball rolling. Day had her baby so she had her baby yes. boy so we that can yeah <laughs> we yeah, oh, he's about 7 months now but um she had she was pregnant during this previous year so now she had her son we're able to do a little bit more in 2020 it's looking like that's going to be the year
1: yes that is amazing that is amazing i can't wait to um attend one of i have attended one of y'all's events and it's super amazing so guys it's You have not had the chance to connect with them and network and be a part of their network. Like you said, follow um, Ladies Who Brunch ATL, and I'll provide all of the information. Bianca provides me in the show notes, and I know you mentioned Black Friday. I know we're getting close to the end. However, you said you're going to have a Black Friday workshop coming up. Is that correct?
0: Yes, so for More Than Social, I am planning a workshop, and then Lady to Brunch is also doing a workshop, but it's not going to be until January.
1: Okay, okay. So Mm -hmm. could you give our listeners one key marketing strategy they should focus on when it pertains to Black Friday, and where should they put their – where do you feel they should put most of their marketing dollars into? Is that like ad advertisement or – you know, more so into products? Like, where do you feel like the marketing dollar is stronger? I feel like your marketing dollars should really
0: be placed into your pre-launch activity. So that's when you're doing your promotions, you're doing your your live. If you have a budget for ads and you know how to do them properly, I would put money into ads and see how it runs. Start off with $5, let it run for three days, and then look into seeing the results of it. But All of the the dollars needs to happen in your pre launch, which is where you're building excitement. You're telling people what's coming. You're getting their email or their phone number or their booking calls with you and you are either going to pre sell what you are offering now or you're just gonna just take their contact and say, Hey, do not miss this. Black Friday is going down. um, and we only have, you know, X amount, so grab yours. And I, I a strategy that I really want to suggest to your listeners is to really pay attention to what big business is doing. Pay attention yes. to Victoria's Secret if you're in lingerie. Pay attention to Express or Bloomingdale's or Nordstrom's, whatever you decide, and see how they're playing. I like to study those businesses because they have the money to try things out and to fail or to right. try things out <laughs> and to succeed. So I remember one quick one quick strategy that Victoria's Secret did was, like every hour on Black Friday, they had a different percent off. Like forty percent off, eight to nine a.m. and then nine to ten yes. thirty, ten to eleven twenty. So it really got people going early. They they got their check early and uh, before. And then for those that wake up later, they're still getting some a deal, but they're not getting the best deal. So I I think that strategy was actually kind of genius. Because it gets like things done quickly. Like people are not gonna like, oh, I can go there tomorrow. I can go there later. No, right. if you want 40% off, get your butt up and come out here now. So right. they're getting people's money before they run out of money. That's really right. how I like the things over
1: there. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I love it. I love it. So. I don't want to give away everything because I do want them to connect with you, and you have given so much value um, to this podcast, and I appreciate you for taking the time out, even though you're a little under the weather. Um, so just to close, do you have any programs available? I know we talked about the event that you have coming up for More Than Social and um, for them to follow Ladies Who brunch APL for 2020 event. Um, yeah, so do you have any other programs? Yes, so I'm
0: coming, up, coming out with a digital marketing accelerator. So it's going to teach you how to attract, grow, and convert on Instagram. And that's coming very soon. But to, like, really stay in the loop on that, follow my strategy page. It's more morethansocial.co, so C-O. And you'll get more details there. Just click the link in my bio, and it has join waitlist, And then I'll go ahead and contact you as soon as I release the early bird price.
1: Yes, I love it. I love it. Thank you again, Bianca, for being a part of today's episode. It was super amazing. And, guys, if you did not get value from this episode, then I need you to go back, cut off all distractions, and replay this episode because it was super amazing and super informative. Also, I will provide all of the information she she has provided me in the show notes again. So click the show notes to follow her business page to stay connected and support Thank you again for being a powerhouse. It was super amazing connecting with you. And, again, listeners, remember to subscribe to www.intentionallyposh.com for upcoming episodes. If you know anyone who can benefit from this podcast, please, please pass this episode along. The more people that you send this way, it helps build our community, and we're able to keep providing you with valuable content and episodes. Also, do not forget to subscribe and leave us a review. I love hearing from you. My team loves hearing from you, and it helps us grow as a brand. As always, guys, have a high-vibe, intentional week.
0: Thank you again for listening to Posh Talks Podcast. This podcast was brought to you and sponsored by Women Living Intentional and Intentional Investments. Want to learn more about us? Check us out at intentionallyposh.com. And as always, have a high five intentional week.